Welcome to the New American Weekly. I'm Kate Daly. This show is not like any other talk show. This weekly wrap-up cuts right through to the truth about our world, our country, and the propaganda. It's not about the right or the left. It's about the truth. We need to question everything. Let's do this. Hi there, I'm Kate Daly with The New American, thenewamerican.com. If you haven't gone there yet, you should. <laughs> this is the great reporting uh, that you've probably, you know, I know you probably wonder, is there really good reporters out there, really good journalists who are not biased and they just want to give you the actual news? Well, that's The New American. So go to thenewamerican.com. I've been going there uh, for the show for, for many, many years. And let me just tell you, it's important to get good reporting, good, balanced reporting, right? Just the news. Uh, no opinion, just the news. Uh, TheNewAmerican.com. Listen, there is a, obviously what's you know huge in the headlines this week is uh, the Supreme Court reviewing and, ha- and holding the um, arguments for and against Colorado and what they did to Trump on the ballot. Now, I know you're probably wondering how in the world it even got to this this place for Colorado to even do that. Trump was not um, he was not convicted of anything. It was an accusation um, that he engaged in an insurrection. And Chris Ann Hall put it just brilliantly. Uh, Chris Ann Hall, the constitutional attorney, she said there's a couple of things in this case. She said when they give the qualifications for president. They give the qualifications. These are things that you have to prove. You have to prove that you're 35 years old. You have to prove that you've lived in the United States for the last 14 years. You have to prove these things. And then when you get to sort of the things that could could end, you know, anything going on with the president or end that, that those negatives also have to be proved too. engaging in an insurrection has to be proved. There is no there is no ability to be able to just accuse somebody of something and say, well, that's you're accused. So therefore, that's what it is. And you've done this thing that you're accused of to take him off the ballot. So it was one thing that she mentioned was um, the whole due process aspect of this. The due process aspect was not brought up by the Trump attorneys, which was a really strange way to go about this case. This is sort of the elephant in the room. This is the thing that your eyeball, everyone, everyone's eyeballs should be on. And I have a feeling that it wasn't mentioned because of that, because they don't want people to think about due process. I know. Does that sound conspiratorial? It might. But I just felt like this is the main crux of the case not mentioned. In fact, the Supreme Court justices actually took them to took the attorneys to task on this and said why are you know you're you're not mentioning that I mean this is like the reason you're here is to prove that due process has not taken place because any charge has to be proven with evidence and you have to have more to it than just an, a simple accusation and by the way Trump did not engage in an insurrection he didn't start the insurrection uh and there was no insurrection so it's uh, it's comical at this point to even keep saying that, because when you really look at the evidence and you look at what transpired that day, <clears throat> even newly released tape from Pelosi and others talking about the fact that it was a peaceful protest, but that they also wanted people to be taken down for for entering the Capitol. But people were allowed in the Capitol. The officers stayed on the other sides of the ropes when the other side of the ropes when the people were walking down the red carpet. So it wasn't as if there was some big, huge insurrection. 
unless that comes with tour guides. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, they were sitting there smiling and watching the people walk through as they were waved in. So there's evidence. There's tape of this. There's tape of people walking even within the corridors that they were supposed to walk in. That's not an insurrection. Okay. We have to stop saying the word insurrection. And on top of that, people were charged with, with trespassing. So this is all really important to kind of take in because you want to make sure that um, in a court case like this, that the things that are being talked about actually make sense and are, are relate back to the Constitution. The other point Chris Ann Hall brought up was the fact that why are the secretaries of, of this state or any other states that want to join in um, into this just abuse, <laughs> total abuse? They have absolutely no right to even do that. So the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, I don't like either one, but they are private corporations. And this is a primary ballot. So this has nothing to do with the ballot process on a federal level. Why are the states even getting involved in this? This is for the Republican Party or for the Democrat Party. It has nothing to do with the state. And that was an excellent observation, excellent question, because it's true. This is also the elephant in the room. Why are they even involved? So in the conversations, they said, oh, they were asking all these tough questions of both sides. And Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, spoke for colleagues when he said they were confronting difficult questions. I'm sorry, is there a difficult question in this? No due process. You can just accuse somebody of something and that's it. So I don't know why the, the, the why that came across as so difficult to answer. The other thing was this self-executing authority. John Roberts warned um, of the pretty severe consequence if disqualification proceedings from the other side targeting Democratic candidates. Yeah, of course he'd be worried about the Democratic candidates. <laughs> Sorry. But John Roberts has never truly been a conservative, even though he's called a conservative. Um, and also, he said, I would expect that a goodly number of states will say whomever the Democrat is, you're off the ballot. He said I, it would then come down to a small number of states deciding the election. And that's very true. If states start to determine on a whim or just because they are hell-bent on being political, if they start deciding what you get on a ballot, um, obviously completely unconstitutional. And, and, and Justice Kagan questioned why a single state gets to decide who gets to be president of the United States, calling that quite extraordinary. Now, I'm not a fan of Kagan. Uh, she also questioned whether it was contrary to say the rule applies to other public office seekers but does not apply to Trump. Um, very interesting from Kagan. I wouldn't expect anything else, actually, from Kagan. Um, but I will say that they are now talking about, you know, a lesser, lesser people running for lesser offices than president versus president, yada, yada, yada. But what it really comes down to is, can they get away with that? And the answer is going to be no, because the Supreme Court is going to have to come back. They even chastised the attorneys for Trump by saying, why did you not bring up the most important issue here? You should be bringing that up. And... um they're recognizing at least the issue of due process, which is good. And this was a case from the beginning that Chris Ann Hall called. On. She said this would actually, you know, they would actually say you can't do this to Colorado. So I think it's going to turn out that way, but we'll have to see. I thought it was just such an interesting 
round of events, though, in in what the attorneys did not defend or, or did not bring up. That was really a strange move by Trump's attorneys. So I wonder where he's getting his attorneys. And this isn't the first time that's happened, actually, um, where they're they're not bringing up the pertinent matters of the case. So you, one has to wonder where these attorneys are coming from or why they were picked. And I guess you could go down a much deeper rabbit hole with that. But I just wanted to bring this up because this is a big issue this week. Everyone's talking about it. Also, the European farmers, um, I guess there are there are some concessions now coming down from the EU. Too many uh, were too many were coming forward and and uh, protesting a little too much. So they they what they did was they took off the 30 percent. It was like a 30 percent reduction target on on uh, emissions from farming, as if it does anything, reversing unrealistic pesticide quotas, allowing more land for ag use, and agreeing to stop telling you uh, EU citizens to eat less meat. <laughs> oh, you just can't make this stuff up. And and you know what? The European farmers, that's usually where these revolutions take place, isn't it, with the farmers? And our farmers and our ranchers are the salt of the earth, and I hope and pray that that they continue to take this stand and that people will join in with them because anywhere in the country, our country is going to have to do this too. Uh, we're going to have to protest these insane regulations coming down from these agencies in government. We're going to have to start protesting. In the EU, they were protesting. And you see people saying, no, you cannot do this to me. I love these farmers over in Europe. We need to take notes. <laughs> Be right back on the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting, and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. Back here with you on the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Ah, so glad that you're listening. And, of course, so much to talk about. Now, listen, we know that there's problems with the dollar. We're seeing it We're seeing it all the time if you're actually paying attention. Mainstream is not going to talk about it as much. But if you're really paying attention, the banks are kind of telling you a little bit more about what's going on. Listen, text Birch Gold 989898 is the number, and then text them my name, Kate, and uh, just text Kate, okay? You'll get some free information to look at, and this is what's going to help you to back up what you have out there. All the stuff is just floating out there, your IRAs, your, your retirement, and so forth, and back it with gold. It's really important that you take this step, and it doesn't cost you anything. So what are you waiting for? At least get the information. Then I know you've got it. 989898. And then, of course, uh, text my name, Kate. It's that easy. You probably have your phone in your hand right now. But it's some free information, no obligation whatsoever. And, and it's something for you to look at and be very, very educated on as far as what's happening with digital currency coming in. There are some interesting pieces uh, coming out. And let, let's first talk about the border, okay? I want to talk about, I want to play this clip for you about uh, who's actually coming across. Here we go. It is the Texas State Patrol telling anyone who will listen that they are intercepting a massive number of Chinese men traveling in groups across the southern border. 
The Texas State Patrol has the documents to show it. They have the information. They have the captures. They also have lots of evidence about the gotaways. A massive number of Chinese men are traveling in groups across the southern border, sometimes with people from other nations, but mostly alone, coming into this country, trying to get here illegally. It should be a massive red flag with the revelation from ProPublica that the Mexican president is in the pocket of the Sinola drug cartel and the revelation from the Brookings Institute that that cartel is in the pocket of the communist Chinese state. There's a war at our southern border, the Chinese and the Mexicans collaborating together against the American interests. Yep. I mean, you know, there's more and more people going down there and talking about this. Uh, Tucker Carlson did a report. I know of a reporter going down there, boots on the ground to see what exactly is happening. But also this has to do with the uh, the Darling Gap area. Um and on the Panamanian border, Colombian Panamanian border, and there was uh, there have been people that have been speaking out about this. Uh, two dist- distinct groups making the trek through the southern U.S. border, uh, the economic entrance, right? And the groups of Chinese men who were reluctant to speak out and deceptive in their reasons. In summary, the economic refugee migration is cloaking, cloaking. The out-and-out invasion of Chinese military, age men. And this isn't hype. This is coming from, I guess, that was a biologist. This is coming from different people. But really, it's about, look, look who's coming across this border. It's not being talked about. They keep talking about Mexicans. It's not Mexicans, I think, is actually a small portion of it now. I think everyone is coming through that southern border. We never seem to have a problem on the northern border, do we? Nobody wants to come across there and get into the country. It's always the southern border. Interesting. But when I say that, um, look, we are underestimating the number of Chinese coming over, I think, and we better get a we better get a handle on this. We better try to figure out what is going on in this country. It isn't good. We all know it. I don't even have to say that um, because I know you know it. It is always interesting though when they bring this up in an election year. You know, this was a problem six months ago, but it wasn't at the top of the headlines. Now it is. So now they're making it very political. It's not a political issue. The border is an American issue. That's why I, I find. That the Democrats who go along with party, they're like party people. I love my party, right? And they go along with the fact that the country, they know people are coming into the country and all they care about is whether or not they, the people drowned coming over is a really strange thing because they live in this country too. These people are coming in, they're getting benefits, they're getting really universal payments, let's call it out, right? They're getting universal payments to live here and starting the universal payment scheme, really. But when you really look at it, you think, how can somebody be okay with that? They have to live in the same country I do. They have to be aware that this is happening. But because the party backs it, and because the party, the Democratic Party, only wants to see that, oh, just make sure they don't drown. Can you even imagine that? We have military-age men coming through that border. We have people coming through for an agenda. Is it a standing army? Sure feels that way. It sure feels like a standing army is coming in of foreigners that would not de- would not defend this country, don't know anything about our Constitution. I mean, for Pete's sakes, Americans don't even know about our Constitution. 
Um, we're never, ever talking about that or being educated on it, really, um, in any form of education in the United States. I don't see a whole lot of time spent on the Constitution. So the foreigners coming through, these are not women and children. These are a lot of, of um, f- let's, let's say, fighting age men coming through. Why is that? And why aren't people alarmed by that? I mean, they're seeing some of they they have access to the same news stories I do. So how can somebody be so in love with their party that they're willing to say, I don't see the economy. Um, It's not hurting me, even though I know it is. I see the border invasion, but it's okay because people aren't drowning. Um, And uh, it's okay if I have to pay more or be taxed more for more government entities to absolutely screw things up. And I'm okay with all this. It's strange, right? How can they look at Biden, who can't even spit out a sentence, and say, yeah, he's great. (laughs) He's doing just fine. I always wonder about the the mental status of people that it completely ignore everything around them because being part of a party, being led by a party, or being a sheep is just, I don't know, more intoxicating to them. They feel like they're on a big team. I also find it very strange when I don't see a whole lot of Democrats actually disagree with each other. Everybody's always on the same page, and they always agree with the newest fad of how they feel about something. But then I see a lot of division in the Republican Party. Why is that? I see a lot of division. I see a lot of division because I think there are a lot of principles being violated, so people have degrees of how how into the Republican Party they are. And they want to call it out when people aren't doing well, like you have people that hijack the party, like Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney and McConnell and all the rest, right? You have these guys. So you know a rhino when you see it. And they are very um, open about it because look at their voting records. Everybody has access to voting records, right? So there's a lot more division because there's a lot more degrees of people being very awake. When I see these Democrats and I see the fact that they fall in line, they actually, I think, get up in the morning and say, well, how do I feel about that? And they watch CNN for their latest, you know, this is how you're supposed to react to this particular problem. Because they've been kind of all over the map on different issues, and it just depends on which way the wind blows. And I'm not just picking at Democrats. Republicans have the same issues, too. There is a lot of tribal love going on. And it's very bizarre because this is an American issue. It's an American issue that needs to be dealt with. It's an American issue that is it's important to all of us because we are all going to feel the ramifications of what's happening right now. Violence will go up in this country. Are we ready for that? I'm not. It's alarming. It's disconcerting. It's scary. It's scary. You want real fear? Here's a real fear for you. I'll be right back on the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Are you fed up with where our nation is headed? Here at the John Birch Society, we know how to fix a reckless, corrupt, and out-of-control government. It starts with patriots like you. We believe the only way to liberty and national sovereignty is to not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adhere to them. The Constitution is America's only solution. Join the John Birch Society today. Visit us at jbs.org. 
Welcome back to the New American Weekly. I'm Kate Daly, your host. Getting to the headlines, getting to the headlines. Uh, what's the most important thing to know right now? So there's a lot going on in the world. There's many, many things that we could talk about. I did want to mention that South Dakota submitted a bill. I think it's HB 215, if, I, if I'm thinking right. HB 215, or uh, SB 215, it was a Senate bill uh, for the state. And it was all about um, you can't have a weather modification in the state. <laughs> you can't mess with the weather. And it gave all kinds of different uh, reasons, different things. And I thought, you know, for those that still think that that's a conspiracy there are three states, I think New Hampshire is one of them too, South Dakota, that are putting out these bills saying uh, no weather modification in any form. And they're mentioning all forms, okay? Not just cloud seeding, but other forms too. And we also have treaties with other countries that basically, um, you know, they, they would be in violation of the treaty if, if either party did weather modification on each other's country, okay? On the other country. So why would you do that if it wasn't happening, if it wasn't really going on? Um, the chemtrails stay in the sky. The contrails evaporate. Everybody knows this. Um, but this was very specific in all the different ways that they w- would be prohibited if the bill goes through in South Dakota saying uh, you can't do weather modification. That's huge. That's big. After uh, the last big hurricane in Texas, the Texas uh People from the government in Texas were actually saying, um, well, yeah, we do weather modification all the time. Yeah, it could have led to this. (laughs) I thought, hmm, that was an interesting admission. Um, But I also wanted to share with you um, an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. Peter McCullough is a uh, a cardiologist, very actually uh, very uh, well-known, renowned, um, and he was the first one to come out And publicly say, as a doctor at that level in this country, um, and say, I'm questioning what you're doing with COVID. And this was in August of 2020. He was the first one to publish a paper and actually put it in writing and put his name to it and say, I don't like what you're doing. I disagree with what's happening here. And this is going to cause a lot of problems. And why isn't anyone asking any questions? And it was brave because he put his career on the line. He has testified in front of the Senate, in front of the Congress, in front of the Texas state legislature. I mean, you name it. He's been there. He he speaks all over the world. And I took a few minutes with him to really talk about some of the questions that that the public wanted to know from him. And it was really about, hey, look, or what what are what's going on here? What are we doing here? You know, what about the blood clots? What if you took one shot? Um, what, what if you didn't take the boosters, but you did take the first shot, what happens and, and why aren't, why weren't the doctors asking any real questions about these shots? So here's what Dr. Peter McCullough had to say in our interview. Uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Wow. You were very outspoken in the beginning. Have colleagues come to you privately to say you were right, apologize anyway, say they've changed their minds. Have you, have you, because I know you got, you got some fierce blowback in the very beginning. Um, how has it changed for you over the course of this last two years? I have. I've actually had a colleague today, you, really? you know, after like four years, didn't hear anything. And it was a congratulations on a recent paper published. First author is Mead. I'm the senior author, but it is a fully peer reviewed, very extensive paper that concludes the vaccine should be pulled off the market. 
And he was just texting me before I came on. How are you? Like, you know, hasn't heard from me in four years. Well, Mm. you know, I I think people will come along. But the example I'm using, I have a substack out on this. People say, well, how can doctors be so wrong in these vaccines for so long? Because it's been Mm -hmm. three years. I said, wait a minute. Let's pick some other examples. Smoking. From the the first note of any doctor, a solid doctor noting smoking causing problems, like an obvious problem like lung cancer, was in 1912. European physician Sir Austin Bradford Hill in 1950, you know, published an entire treatise on this, you know, conclusively concluding that smoking caused lung cancer. Now, let me tell you, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, doctors, nurses were not only smoking, they were advertising smoking. They were promoting smoking. Doctors and nurses, not just the doctors, doctors and nurses. This went all the way up until the tobacco settlement in 1999. And over time, finally, the messaging came through. But it was commonplace to smoke in the hospital, smoke in the operating room. Mm -hmm. And the emperor of all maladies, which is written by Mukherjee, who's a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute uh, fellow, won a Pulitzer Prize, great book. He describes the lead cancer, lung cancer surgeon for, for Harvard, removing lung cancers and smoking at the same time, oh my telling the students and the residents that no, smoking was not the cause of lung cancer. He himself died of lung cancer because he smoked. Uh, unbelievable. So, so listen, doctors are taking the vaccine. They are getting blood clots. They are getting myocarditis. I know because I'm seeing them in my office but they are still in this phase, just like with smoking. Let's hope it doesn't take 40 years. It's been three years of a disaster. Oh, I'm with you. You said uh, in a previous interview, 25% of Americans refused the COVID jab. Is that now kind of an official number, about 25% then refused? Yeah, that was the COVID Community States program, which was a survey uh, where, where you know it had the features. Like it was anonymous. Mm-hmm. People weren't going to be harmed if they said yes or no. It was done by Harvard and Northeastern University. We think it's pretty solid, but I checked the CDC website the other day. You know what they're saying? They're saying 95% of people took a vaccine, 95. And, And the COVID states program criticizes the CDC and says, you know what? The CDC was double counting. If people lost their vaccine card, they just started them as a new patient. They double counted them. So the CDC has a lot of sloppy statistics. Mm. And, um, you know, when I, when I talk to people, and I've, I've given over 200 public programs to people in the office, to me, it resonates that about, about 25% didn't take it and 75% did. I'd be curious to see what your listeners yeah, yeah, think. For sure. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> The 25% who didn't take the vaccine, they seem far more concerned about vaccine side effects than the 75% who did take the vaccine. Isn't it interesting? That is. That's fascinating. Oh, it just shows that we are uh, sheep. I I don't know what else to say. We just kind of, yeah, you're right, though. I I talk about vaccine side effects all the time. Of course, I'm a doctor and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing these patients in the office. But I don't have any worries about having <laughs> vaccine side effects because I didn't take it. Right. I mean, I sleep right. okay at night. You'd think the vaccinated would be the ones up at night saying, listen, what did I do? Is this a problem? Mm-hmm. And uh, you hear a lot more concern about vaccine safety from the unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated. That's amazing. I didn't even think about it that way. You're right. Uh, as far as the shots go, a lot of people have a question about this particular thing. They got the first shot. They maybe got the Johnson & Johnson or they got one shot but they didn't do the boosters. 
Is there any evidence so far that doing the one shot was not as bad as doing all the boosters? Was the danger in the booster shots? What, what's your take on this? There are no cumulative toxicity studies, meaning, you know, once the first, it was called primary series, shot one and shot two were studied, there never were any studies to say, well, is shot three and four and five, do they add up? Do they create more toxicity? For most drugs and most shots, the more you take, if there's a safety problem, the greater the harm. It's never been done. Um, my suspicion is there is a cumulative toxicity. In the published literature, the the general vein of what we're seeing is what's called the Russian roulette theory, that you do one, you do fine with shot one, shot two, shot three, and all of a sudden shot four, boom, get myopericarditis or have a fatal event at shot three or four. Um, and that may have to do with the fact that it doesn't look like all the shots are the same. The vials differ, the safety of each vial differ depending on the lot. So if one got, you know, an easy lot, an easy lot, nothing, nothing, else, and got a dangerous lot, that's how this Russian roulette theory plays out. But there's enough cases where the fatal event occurs on shot five or six to make us conclude that there is no safe patient profile. I mean, one of my patients told me, Dr. McCullough, uh, you know, if they come out with another booster, I'm going to take it. And I said, gosh, you know, are you sure that's, you know, I was kind of worried about mm -hmm. it. She goes, well, no, he goes, she goes, I know other people have side effects, but no, they don't bother me. Wow. Uh, be careful <laughs> on that one, because it may be that she got, you know, relatively safe vials on the first mm -hmm. four and all of a sudden, you know, we'll get right. a lethal one. And when you're getting the shot, you never know if, you, if you're getting a dangerous batch or not. Mm -hmm. That's the... Right. That's a concern over it. There are many more questions that I asked Dr. Peter McCullough. We'll come back and uh, talk about those things. Lots of good questions. Lots of questions I'm sure all of you have had while all this has been going on. Be right back on the New American Weekly. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Welcome back. The hour is almost at a close. You're listening to the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. So glad that you are uh, listening in to get the, the best of the best, the headlines, the information that you need to know. All these things are important. We could talk about a million items, but this is something with Dr. Peter McCullough, doing this interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, he said some really fascinating answering your questions. No matter who you are, I think you have questions from the last three years. Or you should. <laughs> curiosity. Remember, curiosity is the, one of the best qualities we can have. Here's more with Dr. Peter McCullough, the renowned cardiologist. Are the same ingredients in each shot, are they getting the same shot over and over again in the boosters? We don't think so. 
The shots have never been expected for the quantity of messenger RNA. Now, I saw inspections of the messenger RNA vaccines by the FDA in 2022. And you know what they inspected them for in the report, in the official kind of FOIA release documents? They inspected them for visible impurities. (laughs) Basically, crud in the vials. That's what they were inspected for. They didn't open the vials and test how much messenger RNA is in there. They didn't open the vials to see if uh, the lipid nanoparticles were aggregating or not. And they certainly didn't test for process-related DNA impurities. And this has been the big news. Four labs have found that there are small DNA fragments contaminating the vials. And some of these DNA fragments are known cancer promoters called SV40. So this is such a big deal. There are two peer-reviewed preprint manuscripts uh, there that are awaiting peer review. One by Spiegler, the other one by McKernan, so you can review the data yourself. Uh, Dr. Joe Ladapo synthesized all the information. He wrote the CDC and FDA and said, looks like there are impurities in Pfizer and Moderna. And the FDA and CDC wrote him back and said, nope, we're not worried about this. And that's when Surgeon General Joe Ladapo said, enough's enough. I'm calling for these to be pulled off the market. And here you have a cancer-causing agent. Yes. Potentially, potentially. Now it's simian virus 40. The simian virus 40, so people know, is used uh, to ramp up the duplication of the plasmid, the DNA, little circles of DNA that are inserted within E. coli. And as E. coli divide, the SV40 keeps ramping up production. The, the, the little circle of DNA produces the Pfizer Moderna messenger RNA. This is called process two. Before they were making naked RNA, which is very expensive and slow. This ramping up and having E. coli crank it out is very efficient. Now with SV40, simian virus 40, there's a promoter and enhancer and what's called an origin of insertion. If there are known cancer genes in someone. I was just going to ask you this. Yes. Right. So someone's Mm -hmm. carrying a cancer gene and then they get a sufficient load of SV40 promoter enhancer and then the insertion part, theoretically, it's possible for these to directly cause cancer. Wow. Now, if there is cancerous cells in the body, let's say somebody's in remission, Mm -hmm. but there's a few uh, cancer cells in the body, it's theoretical that these could take up these DNA fragments and then reactivate the cancer or really make it recur. And that's the reason why the term turbo cancer has come up. Yes. A lot turbo of, cancer. Even younger. And so the, right? Yeah. The very first case of a turbo cancer was published. The first uh, author is Karagoklis. I'm the senior author in the peer-reviewed literature. And it's a man from Greece who probably had a parotid basaloid cell cancer that was lurking. And uh, sure enough, He takes a messenger RNA vaccine. Within four days, he starts to get pain. And then this cancer starts to take off. It invades his facial nerve and his trigeminal nerves, causes a Bell's palsy, rapidly invades his brain and kills him. And this is well chronicled, and it may be the very first case of turbo cancer. Now, did it cause the very first cancer cell? No, that's too fast. Five days. Mm -hmm. It was probably there, Mm -hmm. and then it took off. Uh, but, right. but this, you know, do you know cancer programs, let's say big centers like MD Anderson Cancer Research Center, encourage cancer patients to take these shots with no information on what genetic vaccines would do to underlying cancer. 
I mean, it was completely irresponsible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they do the same thing with uh, heart patients that have problems and stents and everything else and tell them to go and get these shots. Uh, We had a scientist on, and I can't remember who it was now that said this, but there were about 35 different recipes to the shots. Do you concur with that? Maybe, uh, you know, more variations, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of safety risk. Now, I saw one schema where the lots were ordered from one, 1 to 168. So number one being the most lethal ones they found to 168 being the most benign. There's one publication by um, Schmeling and colleagues found 30% were completely benign. There's just nothing happens to them, not even a sore arm, nothing does happen. Uh, about another um, two-thirds, uh, it's uh, some mild symptoms. And then the Schmeling data is 4.1% of all the doses or certain vials. And they actually listed the lot numbers in the paper mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that's where all the serious adverse events were and, and probably including the risk of death. And in the CDC vSafe data, it's interesting, it was 7.7% of people who took a shot, got so sick, they had to go to the ER, hospital, or urgent care. So it's under 10% that we're really worried about. The problem is two-thirds of the world took these. Right. And even if it's 4% or 10%, that's a large number of people. That's a huge number of people. 100%, yes. Um, what's the most damning piece of evidence? Is there one damning piece of evidence um, where you could just say, you just read this because I don't even have to talk to you about this anymore. Look at this piece of evidence. I'd say the best summary piece of evidence is the World Council for Health Pharmacovigilance Report. And it was published in 2022. Mm -hmm. It's very comprehensive. It has every safety database in the world listed. And they're all reporting record numbers of injuries, disabilities, and deaths. It's so comprehensive and it's so conclusive. It's not just the U.S. system or -hmm. or the British system. It's the totality of the data. And the document concludes the vaccines must be pulled from the market. Now, if somebody wants a document to take to their school district or take to their legislatures or what Mm -hmm. have you, that is a very solid one. The American parallel to that has been published by the um, uh, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And it was in March of 2023, again, summarizing the data. It makes 10 points, 10 reasons why the vaccines are unsafe and they should be pulled off the market. Now we have, uh, if you want to follow a Twitter account, Mm -hmm. follow Mary Talley Bowden, who's summarizing every day the number of candidates, the number of lawmakers in office, and, uh, uh, and those calling for removal of the vaccines from the market. That number will only grow over time but it's not speculation. It's not just my opinion or your opinion. Mm-hmm. These are worldwide and local bodies, you know, medical societies that are saying the vaccines are not safe. Pull them off the market. Thank you for that. I know you're you're speaking around the world. Are you seeing differences in other countries? I know our propaganda load here is so heavy that it's hard to see, even notice what's going on in other countries sometimes because our our controlled media tells us um, and doesn't tell us what's going on. Um, you're seeing, are you seeing stark differences, countries that are really leading out on this, on the truth? It's actually worse in other countries. Canada is way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a Twitter poll and I asked people, I, I said, gosh, you know, who's, who's had seven shots? I mean, nobody, I don't have any patients have taken a set. Nine percent of people said, yeah, we've taken. I said, well, who, who are these people? Right. They're Canadian healthcare workers. They still are going and going and going. You know, the shots are so dangerous that it's thought to be unethical to mandate someone to take a shot 
because they're so dangerous, like you could be mandated, take a shot and die. You know, in Texas, the mandates are completely banned. So you're completely banned. So, so this is very important. So let's say Methodist Hospital says you have to take a shot. The ban says, no, you can't make somebody take a shot because the vaccines are so dangerous, you could kill your employees. So, Amazing. but it's worse in Canada. Mm -hmm. It's worse in Australia. It's worse in New Zealand. You know, it's, 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 it's different. Other countries have just kind of moved on. I went to India last mm -hmm. year and they said, you know what? It, it, you know, a lot of the doctors said, honestly, they used, you know, and the people, they used fake vaccine cards. They just kind of slid through. They, mm -hmm. they kind of got through unvaccinated. They just moved on. They, India is such a crazy, chaotic place. I couldn't imagine them trying to keep track of anything, let alone force the vaccine on people. But right. some countries have very strict electronic databases. Mm -hmm. They would just not let somebody come to work. Uh, but you know, listen, if these vaccines were safe and effective and good for you, they wouldn't be banned by Texas. They wouldn't yeah. have been lawsuits all over the place. The reason why there's lawsuits all over the place is because they're not safe and they're not effective and people have been need a prevention strategy. Mm -hmm. I think one of the best daily prevention strategies is to use xylitol based products. The data are stronger and stronger for this. It comes to different brand names, but one of them is called clear X L E A R nasal spray. A spry, S-P-R-Y, the gargle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do a nasal spray and gargle twice a day. Mm -hmm. The spry gum or mints or Zelly's mints. I, right now I'm using Zelly's in my office. You can find xylitol, X-Y-L-O-T-O-L, -O -O xylitol. And how it works is so interesting. Uh, what it does is it promotes the good bacteria in the nose and mouth to fight off the bad bacteria and the viruses. So it favorably shifts the microbiome. It's a really intelligent strategy. This actually prevents uh, dental caries. It helps prevent sinusitis. It's been proven in randomized trials. There's randomized trials of the nasal spray preventing COVID. It's such an interesting yeah. strategy. Hmm. It a big thank you to Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm Kate Daly with the New American Weekly.